0: Welcome to 90% Mental. I'm your host, Grant Parr. Thank you for joining us for our 35th episode. Today I have Susan Francia, two-time gold medalist in women's rowing, on my show today to talk about her Olympic mindset. She's going to share with us how she mentally got prepared for the Olympics, but more so she's going to get into how she prepares herself for competition, how she dealt with nerves and and dealing with fear going into the Olympics. But what's really cool about her, she she cracks open her chest and talks about some really cool intimate experiences as far as what it was like being on the podium and, and getting that, that gold medal. And she also talks about when they won the gold medal in 2008, the pressure that was put on her and the team going into 2012 to win the gold again. So it's really cool to see how she dealt with that pressure and how her team came together and... And one other thing that stood out too, she shared about how her team got prepared for the Olympics and pretty much how they get prepared for any competition the night before. And they they all get together with the coach and sit in a room and they do these imagery exercises. As a team, they go through the whole race and they visualize from the beginning to the end. And she loved it because she talked about how this gave her confidence and the team confidence. So just the power of visualization and she talks about that and it was really cool to kind of... You know, just to hear a little bit more of her mindset and how she, you know, dealt with the game from a mental performance standpoint. So I can't wait for you to to listen to her story and understand her Olympic mindset. Without further ado, let's talk to Susan. Hey, Susan, how are you?
1: Hey, I'm doing well, thanks.
0: Beautiful. Well, super excited to have you on my show. I'm really interested to kind of dive into your mind and understand the Olympic mindset and and understand a little bit more from your perspective, more about your sport, rowing. And um, I'm just looking forward to an an awesome interview with you.
1: Awesome. Sounds good.
0: Great. Well, as I always kick this show off, I always ask, what does mentally tough mean to you? So what does mentally tough mean to you?
1: Oh, man. How much time do we have? (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Um, You know, honestly, for me, it means being able to push through when your body says no, you Mm, know?
2: Yeah.
1: And sometimes, sometimes it's not always about the body. Sometimes even something like staying positive through an injury or something, even that requires uh, mental toughness. But I think it's when, when there are these forces that are are kind of going against you and you keep going and, uh, you know, perseverance i feel like the word is a little bit overused but you know it is true it's it's really like being able to push past any of those obstacles
0: and when you look back at your career is there a moment or a time when you started to to recognize or realize you were being mentally tough
1: yeah and there've been kind of like ups and downs with that and when i first started with rowing uh just because i was naturally gifted. I'm six foot two. i I'm built like a rower. I kind of first kind of skated by just on talent alone. And then when all of a sudden I got put with all these other people who were six two and also, you know, naturally talented, that's kind of when I first discovered that not enough, you know, and, you know, sometimes when I was in college, I would go really hard on workouts and then kind of just skate by on other ones. Mm hmm. And I don't really know if I recognized that um, that I was doing that, but once I got to the U.S. team, you know, that was not an option. So, so I think that's where I really kind of clicked over when when I realized that that every day really matters with the U.S. team. And and I, I you know, I, I wouldn't be the athlete that I was uh, during <laughs> the Olympic period, you know, if I hadn't figured that out.
0: And how did you, how did you get into the sport?
1: I actually started in college, my second year. Um, my first year, I did varsity partying, <laughs> and I was the captain.
2: I love it. Um,
1: and that was really fun, but not so good for my grades. And I just kind of felt like like I didn't have structure. I was a little bit lost, and I looked through this book of sports I was like, you know, the one thing I'm missing in my life is structure and sports, so maybe I'll just join a sports team. And I thought, hey, you know what? Rowing. I don't know what it is. I know they're both. It looks <laughs> cool. I'll give it a whirl. Right. And it just it clicked right from the beginning. It really clicked. And um, someone approached me and said, hey, you know, you could go to the Olympics. And I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. Okay. Sign me up. So that's kind of how my journey began.
0: Beautiful. You know, and and forgive me for saying this, but I think, you know, there there are sports like bobsledding and biathlon and, and rowing that maybe most, or generally speaking, that maybe kids don't wake up and dream like, hey, I want to be a bobsledder. Or I want to be a rower. Yeah. But do you feel like your success has put the sport on the map? And then also, do you feel like it's created an interest for young athletes to dream to be become a rower.
1: Well, I think that I've had personal success, but honestly I would be nowhere without my team and without my teammates because, you know, I didn't win in the single. I was in the eighth. And I think that, like, our success has helped the sport grow, but also Title Nine and the whole collegiate rowing system has also really just, like, push this, this sport onto the scene that maybe people hadn't considered in the past.
2: Mm.
0: Well, let me ask you this about your, your Olympic experience. What was it like winning your first gold medal and and being on the the podium? And and what was it like when you woke up the next morning?
1: Pretty unreal. (laughs) Just even in the last like minute of the race. So in rowing, okay, the cool thing is you're going backwards. The cool thing about going backwards is that you can see everyone who's in front of you, so you know if you're ahead. Right. So you know if someone's. <laughs> so the whole last minute of that race, I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, we're gonna win a gold medal. We're gonna win. A- don't screw up. Don't screw up. We're gonna win a gold medal. Like, don't screw up. Which was just like the most amazing feeling when we crossed that finish line. And then of course, hearing the national anthem playing for us and playing for our country and all of the people who have supported us. I mean, it was just like. We, we picture it in our minds when we're, you know, on the grind or just, you know, going through these grueling workouts and it was just so great to just be in that moment and to actually like, we're like, okay, this isn't, you know, our daydream anymore. This is, this is reality. So it was, it was pretty nuts. It was pretty wild. We had a fun time that night.
0: I can only imagine. Well, going in going into London going to the 2012 Summer Olympics going into your second Olympics did you have a different mindset going into that into that Olympics did you train differently did you feel more pressure
1: yes um so the day that the team was named in 2012 or 8 so we were defending champs we had won the you know 2008 Olympics we had won like seven world championships leading up to it. So the day the team was named, we go down to the boathouse and all of a sudden there's all this media there, people from Time Magazine, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and all of a sudden there was like all this, you know, all eyes on us of like, hey, are you going to repeat? Are you going to get that gold medal again? What's going to happen if you don't win? Like these were actual questions that reporters asked me. Wow. And And it was so just this, so different from what we were used to. We were used to being the underdog, the scrappy guys, like the team where we had all these walk-ons who started rowing in college and and who were basketball players. And just, you know, we just we were this team of, I don't know, it felt like kind of nobodies, and we liked it that way. (laughs) And now all of a sudden it was like the spotlight was on us. So it really did take some effort. Shift our focus and say, okay, forget all that outside stuff. Like we're doing this for us. We need to keep our focus internal.
0: I love it. I love it. I've, I've worked with with Olympians that have I've actually won medals and going back for the second time or, or the third time. There's there's so much pressure and everybody's you know if you got the bronze, you know you want to get the silver or the gold, and if you got the gold, yeah. it's like you got to get yeah. the gold again, right? And it's those moments as an athlete where. You have to really focus on like what's important now and, you know, working with some of the Olympics and hearing other Olympians stories, you have to, you have to go back to the process. You have to go focus on the process and then having fun and not getting caught up to, to meet everybody else's expectations.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think the thing that people don't think about a lot is okay. It's one thing when you're already approaching the Olympics, you know, you get hyped up for the Olympics and, Okay, there are inside or outside pressures. It's really like the practices and the selection time that are in like the couple of years before the Olympics were that. I, I think mentally those were really the the ones that tested me. So like leading up to 2008, my first Olympics, you know, I'm just riding this high. I'm like I'm nobody like let's go get the gold. Okay. Second, second Olympics, it's like okay, all right, like You know, there's a little more pressure, but we're still going for it. And then after 2012, I kept training, and uh, I got some injuries, and they were just recurring, and then I wasn't winning, you know, even within the squad, and it just was so defeating. And, And I'm really amazed at Olympic athletes who can just continue training you know, and who have won in the past and have won again and again and again. I I really am amazed at that motivation because that is actually the most mental toughness. Right. To, to go from the glory to okay, well, hey, I can't rest on my laurels because hey, we got to do this again. Um. And and for me, that that was the one place where I became defeated. And unfortunately, in 2014, uh, I retired. I just I was just done mentally and physically. And that was kind of that was just my breaking point. Right. Well, I mean,
0: when you're competing at that elite level, the Olympic level, it's it's a different type of training. It's you're, it's part of your life. It's part of your lifestyle.
1: Yeah, which is fun too, because it's so different. You know, it's it's different. You can't just like go to school for it stars have to align, and, and you really have to be hungry for it.
0: Right, exactly. Well, you've also broken records. What was the feeling like? Was it more of a accomplishment, getting the gold, or breaking a record?
1: Um, the first time we broke the record in 2006, that was very special. Uh, just because we hadn't been winning the years before, and it just we had worked so hard leading up to that world championship that breaking that world record was just like, I was, (laughs) I was moved to tears. I really was great. It was cool that we won, but then on top of that, to win with that record, it was just like beautiful. Um, and then, and that's kind of how we knew that we had something special going into Beijing and it was great that we were able to carry that through London and you know, the team went on to Rio. So
0: when you think about winning two medals, five world championships, through that whole period, throughout your career, what, what did you learn about yourself?
1: Just so much. So much. It really, you know, roaming is a sport where it really tests you as an individual. You know, how far can you push yourself? How much can you mentally push yourself? It also tests you as a, a person working within a team. Because even if you want to be your teammate, your teammate is your friend and you need your friend and your teammate <laughs> to help you win that gold. So it's it's such an it's it's for me it was just such an interesting lesson of just being respectful but also truly um just like trusting everyone and knowing that no matter who ends up in my boat I know that they have gone through hell and back with me and, and I'm ready to, to go and push my limits when we go to race.
0: How important is it to build chemistry within your team?
1: It's very important. It's very important. And at the same time, like our coach would probably say, if you want a fast lineup, you know, you're going to get along with anyone (laughs) who's going to make me fast. Right.
2: Um,
1: you know we all respect each other, and we're all friends so it's it's easy and I feel very lucky that you know i have I'm in a sport where it is similar to that kind of atmosphere but um yeah, the chemistry definitely helps, but also knowing that everyone's putting out everything that they they can that 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 helps right. just as much.
0: <laughs> well I, I, love, I love culture. It's one of one of my favorite topics to talk about within the world of sports. Mm-hmm. Share with me the culture of the team because I, I can only imagine when you guys are practicing and competing. It, there's a different mindset and a different feel with each other. But I've also saw uh, witnessed some videos where you guys hang out, and it seems like you guys are pretty jovial and love to joke around and, and just have a
1: good time. Yeah, we definitely do. <laughs> um, you know, when you're doing this for like this many hours and You know, it is stressful because you are giving up a lot of things and weekends and fun holidays and whatever. So so we have to keep it fun. And and I think it also keeps us sane. But you're right. In terms of, like, chemistry and, like, that mindset, I think in the 2008 Olympics, we were strong, but we weren't, like, really – we weren't stronger than the other crews we weren't pulling like big, you know, numbers on the rowing machine only, you know, in later years in 2012 and 2016, definitely the strength was there, but I think 2008 had like a certain magic to it of that, that underdog mentality and that mentality that, you know, we had been together as a crew from 2006, 2007, now 2008, that, that there really was this feeling of, Hey, we're, we're in this together and we're doing it for each other. So, I, I do think that that can add a, a little bit of speed in there. <laughs>
0: right, right. Well, you know, um, I, I also coach uh, football players, high school football players. And and I bring this up because there was one uh, athlete that I was coaching who actually was on the rowing team for the high school. And as I, at the time, we were talking about the sport, I had no exposure to it. And he said, um, he goes, I would rather do um, – they're called Dallases, where you go back and forth, back and forth the field, and that's one. And usually we do about ten, fifteen, maybe eighteen of those, and it's just you're dead tired. And basically, he was saying, I'd rather do that all day than have one practice of rowing. So, oh. so basically, when when you think about like how demanding physically and mentally is the sport,
1: it's it's pretty demanding. But just like anything, when you are practicing it, it gets easier mentally it gets easier physically so you know it's it's different you know every sport is different so sometimes we definitely go through some mind-numbing practices <laughs> but but at the same time again if you start daydreaming about the olympics it, it helps you stay on track
0: All right <laughs> well with regards to your mindset and just kind of getting into your mind what is your mindset going into a competition are you do you get anxious, nervous, excited? Talk to me a little bit about like, how you get prepared for going into a competition.
1: Um, when I first started, I used to be pretty nervous. And I um, talked to the coach, and he was like, hey, you're kind of wasting a lot of your energy right now. Just like Just mental energy. You're straining yourself he's like, you need to find a hobby or something. And I was like, oh, I'm not really good at knitting or anything. I don't really want that. I can't find a hobby. I'm supposed to race in an hour and a half. But as time went on, the thing that I kept thinking about was having confidence in my preparation. Mm. And being at the starting line and sitting at the the start, the catch is what it's called with the blades fully buried in the water. The thing that always made me just very relieved was that knowing that I had done everything I could to get to this point and to be the best athlete that I could be at that moment in time. And that almost just, you know, was like a sigh of relief of like, okay, I've done everything. Now I just have to go perform and that's, that's fine but there's there's nothing that you know there's there's no time to look back and be like oh I wish I hadn't you know done this or stayed up late watching TV or eaten all those peanut M&Ms or anything it's <laughs> that's the time where you know you you are trusting of your all of the training and knowing that I put everything on line every day and I'm ready uh and Beijing was the same way our coach actually Speaking of mindset, great, great, great method. He put us through absolute hell a month and a half before the selection date, June 25th. Was our selection date? July uh, 25th was when we were leaving for the Olympics. So one month. We were only going to know for one month who, you know, was going to be going. Right. So June 25th. And the month and a half leading up to it, he just said, you know, I don't know who's going to be in the boat, so we're just going to race every day. So just show up and be ready to race every day. (laughs) And that's what we did. We, every practice, and, you know, in rowing, we're practicing two, three times a day. We showed up, and am I going to get switched? Who knows? By the end, we were, like, so mentally drained and just exhausted physically and mentally. And, I, there were points when I was like, I would just want to quit, but I was like, okay, no, stuck <laughs> it out this long. I'm not going to quit. But when I went to the, you know, was sitting at the start, starting line of the Olympics, I thought to myself, I'm not getting switched with anyone. And I just have to do one, two K, you know, this is this is a piece of cake, you know, compared <laughs> to the hell that we went through. And there's other times. And at that point, I was so grateful to my coach for you know the selection that we had gone through.
0: That's awesome. Well, got you prepared, didn't it? Yes,
1: yes, it is well,
0: you know when you think of I think fear uh, exists in all sports and I, and fear and fear to me is it's fascinating because we all create it. But when mm-hmm. you, when you think of you know at least the the athletes that I've worked with, when I talk about fear, two things that come up is you know fear of failure in fear of getting Uh hurt and within the sport of rowing did did any fear come up because i I don't know if there's different types of fear especially within your sport
1: so in our sport the fear that is always underlying the fear is you know it's going to hurt there's no there's no way around it it's not that you get hurt injured hurt it's the insane burn of your lungs of your legs And knowing that you have to keep pushing because the person in front of you is pushing and the person behind you is pushing. And if you don't, you're not going to win. So I think the fear in rowing really is like, I I know going into this, there's no way around it. This is going to hurt. And again, the more we practice it and the more we know what that feeling is like and we just accept it, the better we're going to do.
0: Share with, share with me what goes through your mind. So when you have to, right after you start the race, do you do you have moments where things are popping in your mind, or is it just are you freeing your mind? Like what what's going on in your mind during a race?
1: I'm pretty focused. So if if we were in small boats, so two people or single, um, you're kind of eyeballing where the other boats are. Because there's no coxswain. So usually in an eight, so not usually, but always in an eight, there is a coxswain, and they're the person who steer, steers the boat, and they give commands.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So in an eight, it's, you're very focused, and you're just listening to what this coxswain is saying to you. There are speakers throughout the boat, and you're just like at one with this voice. <laughs> um And so she's giving commands. She's telling us where we are in the race. At the same time, you're just thinking about breathing and literally just just moving right with the person in front of you. So there's a lot of things to think about, and there's no real time for your brain to drift. Now, when you're in the small boats and there's no coxswain, you know, constantly telling you, hey, we're here, we're at the 500, keep going, or power 10 or whatever, when you're in the small boat, it's a lot Easier for your mind to drift, but at the same time you're in pain, so you have to (laughs) just kind of stay focused. And the issue, you know, you have to steer, and you have to stay very in sync with the person. So it's you you have to stay focused because otherwise the race will just go out from under you.
0: Right, right. Well, do you ever? This is interesting because some athletes, like Kobe Bryant, when he plays, he. He actually lets go of who he is, like the the Kobe outside of basketball, and he turns into something. He turns into the Black Mamba. And there's, uh-huh. you know, there and track, you know, track stars, they they turn into a cheetah or a panther or whatever it is. They there's sometimes it doesn't have to be an animal, but when you transform, when you're when you're ready to compete and you're sitting in the boat, do, do you turn into anything or is it just do you like does anything show up?
1: It's not at the start. It's more like in the finish and in the sprint when you are just lay it all out on one. And sometimes we call it like dropping the hammer. It's just you're done. You know, you just <laughs> are like outside of yourself, just going ham. So for us, you know, leading into it because it is such a mental sport, everything is very. You, know, you just try not to overanalyze, but. In that that end part where everything just hurts and you have to give more, that's when that's when it comes out.
2: Mm.
0: And you talked about this um, a couple minutes ago, but you talked about working out or practicing two or three times a day. Why why so many times a day?
1: That's just what the sport requires. Wow, um, two thousand meters, so around a mile and a half ish, um, and it's it's kind of like running the miles so it's broken down into kind of four four parts but it's not quite sprint it's not quite an endurance sport so we do a lot of volume a lot of you know low heart rate low intensity long rows and then mix it up with some short bursts and lifting and running so
0: mm. is that why yeah. you, you wake up so early like swimmers do <laughs>
1: Well, we wake up early because the best water oftentimes is right in the morning.
0: Hmm. Well, I can only imagine when you're, especially when you're practicing in the morning, isn't there a a serene feel you get sometimes when when you're out on the water and you're just, you're hearing yourself breathe and you're working with your teammates? Is there, you got that little, isn't that, is there a feeling that you get?
1: There is every once in a while, but. We're also always competing, so it's like, <laughs> right. oh, you're be now, and then you kind of like side-eye the person next to you, and you're like, oh, where are they? Okay, <laughs> I have to be a little bit ahead.
0: <laughs> now, was there a moment throughout your career, you know, when we talk about flow and getting into the zone, was there a race at all that you can remember where you were just totally locked in and dialed in?
1: Honestly, I don't remember too many of my races. It just becomes this flush. I wow. I remember some snippets here and there. But I mean, um I guess I guess in the eights in the eights when we're really dialed in on each other, it's it's cool. It's a really cool feeling. I remember even in London and even in Beijing just having just you could like feel the energy so that's that's a very fun feeling the worst is when you're a little bit out of shape and you
2: have
1: to <laughs> give it your all and you're kind of dying and just thinking oh holy hell is this over yet <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh that's great this is kind of an interesting question you know with with your success in 2008 and 2012 at the Olympics and You know, five world champion championships. Did you ever feel other countries feared competing against you or the U.S.?
1: Yep. And it was awesome. (laughs) I love it. You know how you can tell that your competitors fear you is when before the race, when we're in the boatyard or whatever, they can not look you in the eye and say hi or just, you know, or just look you in the eye, period. That's how you know they're scared.
0: Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> and I
1: really reveled in that. Did you? Because I would just walk around, and I'm six two, but I swear, when before races, I swear I felt like I was seven feet tall. I would just, I, I walked with confidence because I was confident in myself. I was confident in, in my team. I was confident in the training that I put in, and I would just know, like going into it, I'm, I am going to do everything I can to win this race. And I'm, that's what that's what our boat's going to do. And I would run into some of the competitors, and they would just stare at the ground next to me, and I would just keep trying to make eye contact with them. Wow. I think they thought I was a weirdo, but <laughs> but it, it just was comical to me, you know?
0: I love it. I, lo- I think I don't care what sport you're in. I think uh, we're all warriors, and there's a warrior mindset, and I think when you have that confidence, yeah. and especially if you're 6'2", walking around, you could really get somebody out of their game really quick if they're not confident and they they see someone that's super confident and that's tall so um man that's great so kind of interesting because i know when i was watching the winter olympics i saw so many athletes like almost every single event there was some type of mental performance technique that an athlete was doing, whether it was visualization or they were breathing or they were doing body scanning and all sorts of stuff. So I was just wondering within the sport of rowing or within the Olympic team, how much was sports psychology or mental performance strategies, uh, were they implemented with, within the team?
1: Yeah, the biggest thing that we did was the night before uh, every race, the coxswain would meet with us in a room. would t- turn the lights off, everyone would close their eyes, and she would walk us through the race, walk us through even just the two minutes leading up to the race. Mm. She would say, okay, two minutes. And she would go through even just the small things that she would normally do, like one minute before the race, okay? So, you know, two seats, tap it a little bit, or just just the small calls that she would make in, you know, in real life. And then, okay, sit ready tension. So, so even just going through that, those two minutes leading up to the race of like, how are you going to feel? How are you going to handle that? Okay. Don't forget to breathe.
2: Mm -hmm. And then
1: she'd walk us through each stroke of the race and, and she would tell us where we are on the other boats. So we would sit there and we would really like feel that energy and feel like even ourselves rowing. And we would picture ourselves rowing you know not just hard but really making sure we're matching up and you know doing all of the things that we need to 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 row well and then of course she would always say and we won
2: <laughs> <laughs> i love and it
1: beep, beep, <laughs> we won and everyone's like open their eyes and you know kind of like okay cool all right let's do this
0: wow i i love those stories i love basically yeah. gui- guided imagery and it's Mm-hmm. I think elite elite athletes are more bought in into doing those type of exercises, and I know Major League Baseball. There's a lot of people like myself that do guided imagery with pitchers, and they do a whole mm-hmm. game. They they actually they sit there for a long time with their eyes shut, going through nine yeah. innings of of baseball. So or sometimes four or five, depending how long a pitcher usually pitches. But I just think guided imagery is huge. I love it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we all really liked it. I mean, it, it takes a little bit to get used to. Yeah, because especially if you're new to the team or something, and all of a sudden you're thrown into this hotel room and then, all right, lights off. <laughs> um, but but it, I do find it so helpful just to to envision yourself there, to envision the nerves coming up before the race. It's just it's it's a good way to go into the next day and say, okay, great, I've been here. I know what this feeling is like.
0: Totally. And you know, you're actually, you make up a, uh, bring up a great point. Athletes sometimes have a hard time at first doing this because they can't formalize their image. Like how do they see themselves? And, and sometimes mm-hmm. is it in body? Is it outer body? How long can they see themselves? Sometimes like, it's like thought, sometimes like the image will go away, but the more mm-hmm. you do it, the more you see yourself. That's more mental control, and it just, it takes some time, basically what you were saying. I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm, for sure.
0: So, you've had this incredible career. Um, it seems like you've had a lot of fun with it. What was it like? I mean, I know that it seemed like you were just kind of fed up with it, and you were just, you knew that you wanted to move on from, from rowing, but it's one thing to make the decision, because I've been there with my sport, played it for 13 years, and when it's time to move, I, to move on, I did, but... It wasn't until the following season where I'm like, okay, what do I do with myself now?
1: Yeah, that's that's a tough one. That I think is exacerbated during the like that post Olympic high. Mm. That is a big crash. <laughs> the post Olympic, it went from this Olympic high to the big Olympic crash, and that is the biggest biggest. You know, jump, and that that was something I struggled through both times. Uh, the first time was probably the worst um, after Beijing, because I thought I was done. I thought I was going to retire. Okay, I got my gold medal. I have my Ivy League degree. All right, somebody hire me. And I applied to all these jobs. I couldn't get a job. You know, it's a recession, and. I went from like this great Olympic experience meeting all these Olympic stars and these cool stories. to All of a sudden I'm just, you know, nobody just walking around on the street looking for a job. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just a real gut check. I I also just felt very aimless because before there was my team and the coach and they expected me to show up on this time. And, we're you know, we have these goals. Okay, we got the World Cup coming up and we have you know, just different um goals that we have and now it's like nothing. And and actually I'm kind of glad that I went through that, even though it was tough, because I re found my passion for rowing. I just kind of said, you know, all right, well I guess I may as well get in the single and just start rowing. And I was it I thought to myself, Oh my gosh, you know, I love this. I love doing this. <laughs> I love it. I really figured out that like I wasn't doing it because there was this expectation. Oh, you're tall and athletic. You should. Why aren't you in the Olympics? It was like, oh no, actually I love this sport. I'm so you know excited to have my teammates around me. You know I love winning. I like racing. I should I'll just keep going. Why not? <laughs> and it was great. My parents were supportive too, so that was that was helpful. And then after London, I made sure I had something lined up. So prior to London, I reached out to uh, like a rowing club and I said, hey, I really want to coach. They hired me on. I started coaching as soon as I was done with the Olympics. Uh, and that was that was great because now I kind of was able to keep that enthusiasm, but also shift my focus to, you know, working with kids and making them fast and, you know, helping them grow.
0: Definitely. And that's awesome and i and I want to actually talk a little bit about coaching and what you're doing currently, but before we get mm-hmm. in, before we get into that, you brought up something that to me is is actually it resonated with me and i had a i experienced the same thing as far as transitioning out of an experience or transitioning out of a season and I don't know if if athletes and coaches pay attention to it, maybe they do but A few years ago when I was coaching and we ended up going to the state championship game, you know, 17 weeks of football, which was grueling, but it was just an incredible experience. And I remember that when the Monday, the next Monday came, it was like, I felt really empty. I was like, what, what am I doing now? What do I do now? Like, and I, I literally had a hard time with it where I actually, one of my podcast episodes is talking about how to transition out of a season or or a particular mm-hmm, event, mm-hmm. and I just interviewed uh, Sue Phillips, who she's the varsity women's basketball coach for a school in San Jose, Mitty High School, and they're ranked number one in the in the country. And we were talking about this, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, every year I ha- I have the blues. Like I have a process in place because it's it's hard. I, I connect yeah. with with the sport and the kids that I ha- I have to pay attention and respect my feelings, and it's a process. It's like a mm-hmm. month process for her. So I, I, yeah. I'm glad you brought it up because it's when you're so connected to a sport, it's hard to let it go.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. You know, the atmosphere, but also the expectation. Someone's expecting something from you, and that's gone. Right. You know, just, just even those goals and that, right. you
0: know. definitely. Well, what, what do you do right now as far as coaching? Because I know that you're you're taking a turn a little bit on life after rowing.
1: Yeah, so I worked for four years with uh, high school athletes um, at the San Diego Rowing Club, and that was really, really uh, just an amazing experience. I thought that I was going to make them Olympic rowers, but uh, actually the most rewarding thing was making them into, <laughs> help help mold them into good people <laughs> good. and really good teammates and friends for life, so I feel like I learned just as much from coaching as I did from being an athlete, but it was, it was really rewarding. And now uh, the last two years I've been working with a collegiate team, UCSD here in San Diego. And I you know with a little bit more mature uh, group of collegiate women, but kind of have the same needs. And, and they also, uh, it's been fun watching them push themselves. That's that's for me. the The most rewarding is is watching kids like learn things about themselves.
2: Mm.
0: Absolutely. Is it still hard to wake up early for those practices?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, there were so many mornings, even towards the end of the, my rowing career, when I was like, oh, I just can't wait to just sleep till like eight thirty. Or just 7 or something. (laughs) I don't want to wake up at 4.50 or 5 a.m. anymore. And here I am. (laughs) Still waking up at 5 a.m.
0: Can't get away from it. (laughs) I know. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What was that like? Because I've had I've had a few athletes on my show that were on various different episodes or versions of, of the body issue. What was it like being naked and trusting yourself in that moment?
1: Honestly, what I wanted to show from that whole photo shoot was that, you know, women have muscles and these are the muscles and, and this is the body type that you know, represents my sport and it wasn't, you know, a sexualized um, magazine or it wasn't, it, it really, I thought it conveyed very well each sport, whether it was, you know, shot put or sprinting or, you know, a jockey, like these are the kinds of bodies that these athletes have. And, you know, Along the process, I have to tell you. So, at first, I was a little bit like, oh my gosh, what have I gotten into? (laughs) I'm going to have these like creepy dudes writing to me. And you know what? I found that there were a lot of high school and college girls who reached out and said, thank you. That was so cool. That shoot you did because I have muscles and I get to show that it's cool to have muscles. And, you know, like, thank you so much for being this, like, role model. And I never would have expected that. And it was just, like, so, like, heartwarming that, like, so, like, thank you guys. Because, I mean, you don't know what the reaction is going to be. This was totally even new for our sport. No one had really done this. And and just just the feedback was so great. They're like, hey, that's so cool. That's so cool, like, that you have these muscles. So. I was like,
0: all right, thanks, guys. I think, seriously, I I think it's it's awesome. And the the, kind of the the intention and the mindset going into it, because I've had, I don't know if you're familiar with these, with athletes, but Asia Evans and AJ Andrews, uh I've had them on my show. And we talked a little bit about this. And all of them said the same thing. Like, I have muscles and And this is and my muscles make me who I am and my sport. And hearing from mm-hmm. both of them, one of them was like, you know, at first I felt I was like nervous and shy, but as soon as I took the robe off and they made me feel comfortable, there was a sense of I'm showing the world my craft. I'm showing them what what I'm all about. Yep. And, and and my muscles are cool and they actually are beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then the other the other AJ Andrews basically was saying, she's like, I hope it looks like like art, because what Mm -hmm. you see is the journey of what I've had to do and deal with to get to this point in my sport. So I just, and and they both have muscles and they were like, I want to show the world that I have muscles. And I think it's cool to do that. So the fact that you had that mindset, that's super cool.
1: Yeah. And, And also, you know, some of the throwers who were a little bit heavier set, it really, I thought all of it looked really beautiful, and and again, just exemplifies for this sport. This is this is the body that, that we have, and it's not you know we're not models, we're not out there modeling. We're we're just showing like this is this is what this athlete looks like. So I, I thought that they did a great job with that, to be honest. So I, I was very happy. With they, them.
0: I think every single issue, is they it's just so classy, very classy. I
1: have to tell you, so when I first. When I first heard I was like okay cool the magazine's coming out I kept going to like the Walmart nearby I was like okay I'm going to keep <laughs> seeing when it's on the newsstand so it finally comes out and I'm like leafing through I'm like oh my god where's my picture okay so I find my picture and there's a man standing next to me and I I don't know this is like the first thing I could just think of to say and I said sir do you want to see me naked
2: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: he was just like he was like ah. Uh, um, and I was like, I realized what the heck I just said. And then, so I just quickly opened the magazine. I was like, look, <laughs> I'm in the magazine. Uh, and he was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just slowly like kind of backpedaled away from the situation. And I just was <laughs> still, I was laughing at myself. That's great. Go <laughs> to a stranger at Walmart and says like, do you want to see me naked? So. I, I wish I was yeah. a fly on a wall when you did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, I've switched up what I've said now <laughs> since then, but it was pretty funny. <laughs>
0: I can only imagine. Oh man. Well, what's next for you? Because you you've got your ma- bachelor's and masters from University of Penn, and you're getting your MBA at UCLA.
1: Mhm. Are you going mm-hmm.
0: to you get your PhD
1: or? <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Um, no, actually I'm really excited. I'm gonna start working with um a sports apparel and tech company. It's called seven seven six B C, which is the year of the first Olympics. Um and they just they have this really cool technology, uh, that has like different like biometric markers and lines on the clothes. So coaches can kind of see their athletes better or you can video yourself and so I'm gonna be working with them on the uh U.S. strategy and sales so I'm excited for that.
0: Awesome and where can my listeners uh, follow you on social media?
1: I am on Instagram just start typing in my name Susan Francia I'm on there with uh, my pictures with one of my fantastic uh, teammates (laughs) and one of my best buddies Esther Lofgren so we've got big gold medals around our necks so you can You'll recognize us.
0: Awesome.
1: Um yeah, so just just look me up on uh Twitter, Instagram, same thing, throw in my name, you'll find me. And
0: then you'll start you're doing something for Total Body as well, right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, Total Gym. Yeah, I did with their infomercial. <laughs> it was so awesome. <laughs> it was really funny. How was that? Oh Oh, it was it was a hoot. Oh my gosh, I'd never done an infomercial. I'm not sure I'm cut out for the infomercial world, but they were they were great and uh I actually I, I helped work with them on one of their rowing machines. hmm They they made a rowing machine and I kinda gave them some consulting advice here and there on, on making it. So they were like, All right, we're gonna throw you in the video. So that was it was fun. I did not get to do a segment with Chuck Norris.
0: Oh, I was just gonna ask you that.
1: No, no, it's Chuck
0: Norris. Oh, man. <laughs> I know.
1: He's a little bit shorter than me, so I'm not sure how people would look together in the
0: shot. But... Oh, I love it. That's great.
1: It was fun.
0: That's awesome. Well, I, I truly, I, I'm really honored that you're on my show and, and just sharing your yeah, experience thanks. and your stories and just understanding your sport a little bit more and and just getting to know you. It's been awesome, so I really appreciate your energy.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. It was great talking with you. Beautiful. Go USA!